Hey, this is Jeff Loveland. Thank you for tuning in to Anchor for My Soul podcast, where we want to give a message of hope in the middle of the storm by anchoring ourselves to the Word of God. In each episode, we will grow in our spiritual walk a little more as we use the SOAP Bible study method to dive deep into Scripture, observe what God was teaching, and apply the lessons in our lives, and then pray about it. I hope this encourages you today and helps you go forward with Christ. Welcome back to Anchor for My Soul podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Loveland. Today is an episode that I believe can impact each and every person that listens to this episode. We will see an example of a person who had a radical change in their life once they discovered our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Also, we will discuss another individual who stepped out in faith and completed the mission God called him to while overcoming the fear of the unknown. Today, we will be talking about Saul of Tarsus, who is known for persecuting and bringing fear to those who followed Jesus, and then see the radical change in his life on the road to Damascus. We will take note of the conversion from Saul of Tarsus, who persecuted believers and caused many to scatter, to Paul the Apostle, who became one of the greatest evangelists, church planners, and disciplers of all time, and a mighty man of God. We will listen in as we hear the events unfold of how Jesus got his attention, stopped him in his tracks, and instantly changed his life. We will remember how God has moved Observe the responses made by Saul and his followers, Ananias, the disciples, and the Jews. And finally, we will see the power of the Holy Spirit and the impact of the church as they are sent out. As you listen to this podcast today, I want you to think to yourself the following questions. 1. What change has taken place in your life? once you chose to follow Jesus? Two, is there a radical change from walking in the dark to walking in the light? Three, what is stopping you from completely surrendering your life to Christ and allowing God to move mightily through you in the plans he has for you? And four, where are you in your relationship with Jesus Christ? and the salvation that comes from Him. In other words, are you stuck in your ways, or are you allowing God to radically change your life as you follow the Lord? Please turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, verses 1-3, through 3, chapter 9, 1-18, for our primary Bible reading, and then turn your Bibles to Acts 22, 1-23, and Acts 26, 1-23 as we read Paul's accounts of what took place of this radical change. We will be reading out of the New Living Translation.
Acts chapter 8. Persecution scatters the believers. Verse 1. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Acts chapter 9, Saul's conversion, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the, by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength.
Saul in Damascus and Jerusalem. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked. And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him, but Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly became a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with these apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger. And believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. Now that we have read scripture, we will observe what it was saying, apply the reading to our lives, and then we will end in prayer. For this episode, we will break down the observation section into four different parts. First, we will discuss and observe what took place for Saul, later to be known as Paul the Apostle. Then, we will discuss Ananias and how his obedience played a major role in Christianity. Following that, we will then discuss the disciples' reactions to Saul, as well as the reactions by the Jews in this time. First, let's discuss Saul. Saul was born in 5 AD in the city of Tarsus, which is in modern-day Turkey. From the very beginning, we see Saul's Jewish roots. His parents were Jews that were able to obtain Roman citizenship. As Saul and his family moved to Jerusalem, Saul then studied Hebrew scriptures and Jewish law and traditions under the famous rabbi Gamaliel. This in-depth study of Hebrew and law and Jewish law comes into play later as Saul becomes zealous in his beliefs. From there, 
we will see that he started to persecute Christians and believers in Jesus Christ, specifically those who are part of the sect or this group called the Way. The Way were early Christian Jews who believed that the only way to God was through Jesus. As for he is the way, the truth, and the life, as Jesus taught his disciples. This belief was radical compared to the Jewish laws, traditions, and beliefs that Saul grew up with and studied. Therefore, Saul wanted to go after, persecute, and imprison those who were believers in Jesus Christ, specifically those involved with the way. He was there when Stephen was killed and became a martyr for his faith. He would go to high priests to get authorization and obtain lists of people to go after. Saul would go door to door like a bounty hunter on mission to locate, terrorize, and lock up those involved with the way. All this to honor God, except for the fact that he did not accept Jesus as Lord. In the fact that he is the way, the truth, and the life. The very thing that Saul is about to understand on his way to Damascus. In Acts 22 and Acts 26, we see Paul, formerly Saul, describe his teachings of the Jewish law and customs and how he was zealous to persecute people and to go after the way for God. He was so caught up in law and traditions and religion that he missed entirely what God was doing. Then we see a radical change take place. As we see in Acts chapter 9, Saul, who is walking in the dark and persecuting the church, becomes radically changed to someone who becomes made new, who now walks in the light and is on fire for the Lord. We see a conversion take place of someone who brought fear to many and caused believers to scatter for safety to someone who now boldly proclaims the gospel to both Jews and Gentiles and to the lowly and the proud. The very one who caused the gospel message to move by causing believers to scatter is now the one who takes the gospel message to people as others come after him. And even as the tables turn, he boldly proclaims the gospel message for the rest of his days. As we finish up this review of Saul on the road to Damascus, there are several important points that stand out that must be referenced. First, Saul was blind to the truth before he was blinded by the light and the glory of God. Second Corinthians Chapter 4, verses 3 through 4 reads, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The second point is this, that those who are traveling with Saul could audibly hear the voice of the Lord, but they couldn't understand what was taking place. They were confused and blinded from the truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. 
The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. 2 Corinthians 3.16 But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. The third point is the fact that Saul was blind for three days, which means he had time to reflect and it was a time of humility. You see, There'll be a time where, uh, not too far beyond this, where when he is persecuted and placed in prison, he will be able to then look back and remember how God moved in his life and opened his eyes to the truth for the very first time. And when those who hear him preach and say the things that he's speaking on, and when they do not believe him, mock him, and bring persecution his way, he can look back and realize, He was not a blind fool, but rather a fool for Christ. You see, when one is not walking with the Lord, they are walking in the darkness, and they are blind to the truth. It is only when one turns to the Lord that they truly start to see. Isaiah 6 verse 10, Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. The next point is this. When there was a laying on of hands by Ananias, then there was something like scales that fell off of Saul's eyes. (laughs) The very one who was blind could now see, and was filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 9 verse 17 says, So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Also, Acts 26 verses 15 through 18. This is that dialogue between Saul and Jesus in the mission he's being called to. And I said, Who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me, and to those in which I will appear to you delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you to, check this out, to open their eyes, so that they may turn from the darkness to the light, and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Friends, what we see here is an example of God taking what the enemy meant for evil and turns it for good. Now please turn to Acts chapter 22 and Acts 26 as we hear Paul's accounts of his past and what took place in that divine appointment on the way to Damascus.
Acts 22, verses 1 through 23. Brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, listen to me as I offer my defense. When they heard him speaking in their own language, this silence was even greater. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia. And I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women, and throwing them into prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, Get up and go into Damascus. And there you'll be told everything you are to do. I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, a deeply devoted to the law and well regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight and at that very moment i could see him then he told me the god of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak for you are to be his witness telling everyone what you have seen and heard what are you waiting for get up and be baptized have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the lord after I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple and fell into a trance. I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, Hurry, leave Jerusalem, for the people here won't accept your testimony about me. But Lord, I argued, they certainly know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And I was in complete agreement when your witness, Stephen, was killed. I stood by and kept the coats they took off when they stoned him. But the Lord said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened until Paul said that word. Then they all began to shout, Away with such a fellow! He isn't fit to live! They yelled, threw off their coats, and tossed handfuls of dust into the air.
Acts chapter 26, verses 1 through 23. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You may speak in your defense. So Paul, gesturing with his hand, started his defense. I am fortunate, King Agrippa, that you are the one hearing my defense today against all these accusations made by the Jewish leaders. For I know you are an expert on all Jewish customs and controversies. Now please listen to me patiently. As the Jewish leaders are well aware, I was given a thorough Jewish training from my earliest childhood among my own people and in Jerusalem. If they would admit it, they know that I have been a member of the Pharisees, the strictest sect of our religion. Now I am on trial because of my hope in the fulfillment of God's promise made to our ancestors. In fact, that is why the 12 tribes of Israel zealously worship God night and day, and they share the same hope I have. Yet, your majesty, they accuse me for having this hope. Why does it seem incredible to any of you that God can raise the dead? I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priests, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison, and I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. One day, I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priests. About noon, your majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me, and tell them what I will show you in the future. I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. And so King Agrippa, I obeyed that vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus and then in Jerusalem and throughout all Judea and also to the Gentiles that all must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove they have changed by the good things they do. Some Jews arrested me in the temple for preaching this and they tried to kill me. But God has protected me right up to this present time so I can testify to everyone from the least to the greatest 
I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said would happen. That the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead. And in this way, announce God's light to Jews and Gentiles alike. Now we will talk about Ananias and the important role he plays in this moment. As we have read, the Lord called on Ananias to go meet Saul of Tarsus and lay his hands on him so that he can regain his sight. Right away, we see Ananias question the Lord and kindly remind the Lord of Saul's past and history and reign of terror. Can you imagine the thoughts going through his head? When he was told who he needs to meet. <laughs> um, excuse me, Lord. You want me to do what? Did I hear you correctly? How does one survive this? <laughs> no matter what he was thinking in that moment. And what he spoke to the Lord. The important thing to note is this. That Ananias was obedient. He was faithful. And he trusted the Lord. Let's take notes of that. And do that in our own lives. From there, Ananias met Saul as he was called to do by the Lord. He laid his hands on Saul and helped him regain his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me point out just a few things that I see in the story when it comes to Ananias. First off, many people see this as a story as the radical change and conversion of Saul to Paul and the major impact Paul made in God's kingdom. Yes, that's very much the story. But there's a second story as well. One of a person who answered the call and whose obedience and faithfulness played into Paul being sent on mission and advance the gospel message. The very message we are blessed to know today. Yes, Paul boldly proclaimed the gospel. Yes, Paul is one of the greatest evangelists and missionaries of all time. And yes, Paul's letters are read daily in the Bible by people all over the world today. But let, let us not forget those who are behind the scenes serving faithfully and answering the call and making an impact as well. Not everyone is called to be a Paul. But we can all be obedient and faithful like Ananias and go on and do what the Lord calls us to do. Every assignment and every plan from God is important, no matter how big or small. Secondly, do you see how God's hand is upon each of these people's lives and how he's orchestrating this whole thing? The Lord had spoken to both Saul and Ananias separately, told them where to go, who they're going to meet, and set up this very divine appointment for Paul to have his life radically changed forever, to repent of his sins, regain his sight, be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized, and to be sent out on mission as a mighty, mighty man of God. Thirdly, God took a man who is considered a devout, 
uh, Jewish man according to the Jewish law to be the one chosen to lay hands on Saul for the healing and filling of the Holy Spirit and to point Saul to the Lord, confirming what Saul heard by the Lord himself. Not only that, but Ananias called Saul brother, not long after questioning who Saul was. Friends, that's powerful. As we close out this section about Ananias, please listen to the following words that he shared to Saul before he, before Saul was converted as a believer in becoming Paul, the apostle. Acts 22 verses 12 through 16. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Friends, my question for you is this. If Paul is considered to be a firstborn among many brothers, how many lives of Jews who were previously sold out for Judaism and the Mosaic law did he impact? Not only that, how many lives of both Gentiles and Jews did Paul impact through his letters and preaching? Too many to count. Good thing God knows what he's doing. There's no doubt about it. Paul was predestined, called, justified, and glorified through Jesus Christ. That one day, on the way to Damascus. Now, let's end this section by reading Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1-10, through 10, which perfectly describes how God turned Saul into Paul and unleashed hope throughout the land through this mighty man of God. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10, by grace through faith. Verse 1, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, crafted in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now let's talk about the Jews. As we continue to read the Bible, we see example after example of Jews being led by law, tradition, and culture, and are so focused on the Mosaic laws that they were blinded to what God was doing through Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, religion and legalism were the very things blinding many from seeing the truth and following Jesus. Unfortunately, that still happens today. Many people get so caught up in traditions and works and following laws or regulations that they lose sight of Jesus or believe that they've done enough good to earn their way to heaven. Friends, that's not the gospel. We cannot earn our way or or follow enough rules to be considered righteous. We're only considered righteous through Christ. As many already know, the Jews are considered God's chosen people. However, that doesn't mean they get a free pass when it comes to salvation. There's a reason why Jesus came to save both the Gentile and the Jew. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone. John 14:6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 2 Corinthians 5:21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Jeremiah thirty-three sixteen, In those days Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord our righteousness. And if you read Hebrews 10, we see it written where Christ sacrifice once for all, compared to the daily sacrifices that priests had to make that would never take away the sins. Only Jesus takes away the sins. Now, let's talk about Acts and what we just read today. What we see is Paul preaching boldly, and his words are not well received by the Jews. As we read in our reading for today, the Jews were on a mission to persecute and even kill Saul. As for what he is preaching, it was so radical to them, and it goes against their beliefs. While in Damascus, there was a plot that was made known to Saul, and the, and the disciples helped him escape through an opening in the wall. Following that escape, Saul went down to Jerusalem where he continued to preach boldly in the name of Jesus and was disputing the Hellenists, which were Greek-speaking Jews, in that location. Not long afterwards, they too chased him out of there and had a plot to kill him. Therefore, brothers in Christ then helped bring Saul down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Friends, it's important to note that 
Even when the trials came Paul's way, he continued to preach boldly and give God the glory in all that he did. After all, one radically changed life of someone repenting from their sin and turning to the Lord can help others make that radical change as well. Finally, I'll end with this. In Galatians chapter 1, we see how Paul described his advanced understanding of Judaism and the zeal that he had when it came to Jewish traditions. However, we also see the very things he spoke about and preached about once he converted to Christianity and his new relationship with Jesus Christ and how that went against the beliefs of the Jews and drew the ire of those who were focused on the Mosaic law. In Galatians 1, 11 through 24, it reads, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently, and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you, before God I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. For the application section today, I really wanted to focus on really two different things. One, the total change from walking in the dark to walking in the light by Saul, later known as Paul. When we are impacted by God, And when we get to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and truly get to know him and make the decision to follow him, then that means our lives are radically going to be changed. We're going to go from having this heart of stone to having this this passion and this commitment to following the Lord in all of his ways. Does that mean we're going to do that successfully all the time? Absolutely not. But because we love him, we want to strive to do um, uh, great things for him. 
just out of our love for him. And because we are called to go and um, produce good fruit, go out and make disciples of all nations and to go share the gospel message and, and to love our neighbor. Um, when we love the Lord, we just, by default, we just want to do those things. And to go from walking in the dark to walking in the light, well, <laughs> everything changes. The other thing I wanted to say is um, Ananias. His obedience is so important to focus on. He was unsure in that moment of this idea that, oh my gosh, I had to go <laughs> to this one man who has been persecuting all these people and bringing fear all over the land. And you want me to impact him? And just the obedience to go forward in that and trusting in the Lord that God knows what he's doing. And I know that he's going to protect me and see me through it all. So of all the things that we learned today, how can we apply this to our life? Two things. One, let us stop walking in the dark and really start walking in the light and choosing to follow Jesus more and more each day. And two, let us continue to be obedient. And let us say, yes, Lord, and move forward in where he calls us and how he calls us and the very plans he has for our life. In the end, let us trust in him. And remember that God has moved many different ways in the past, and he will continue to do so in the future. He's going to be with us every step of the way. Let us end in prayer. Father, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being God. Thank you for being this amazing, holy, mighty, strong God who's with us every step of the way. God, as I've been thinking about this episode and everything that you taught us in your word today, Father, I can't help but think of Saul, how when that light shone around him, it was so bright and so vibrant, how it was just, it blinded him in that moment and in that, for the next three days. God, there was a, a change that was taking place. Father, there was a time where he just sat there and had to reflect on what just happened and and what does the future hold? How does he move forward from there? God, I pray that right now, that right now you are just shining a light in the very areas in our life that something needs to change. We need to repent of our ways and truly turn from our sin and turn to you. And walking from darkness to light. Father, I'm just praying right now that just like Saul had those scales fall from his eyes, God, I pray that right now that we have 
scales falling from our eyes so that we can see exactly what you want us to see and allow us to hear exactly what you want us to hear. Holy Spirit, move through these words today. Let every person listening to my voice right now feel and know that the presence of God is with them. Helping them radically change from what was ever taking place in the past and moving forward closer to you. Father, let us us walk in the light in these days going forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Anchor for My Soul podcast. If you would like to help us reach further and hear daily content in the near future, we ask that you share this podcast with your friends and also consider becoming a financial partner to help us reach further for Jesus and to share the word. We are blessed to have listeners who pray for us and who go and make a difference in God's kingdom. Please check out the Anchor for My Soul podcast page on our ministry website, www.faithfullyunited.org, where we will have past episodes, information about the podcast, and details about who I am. If you so feel led to become a financial partner, you can either donate on the ministry website or go to anchor.fm backslash anchor for my soul podcast. Together, we make a difference. God bless. Thank you.